All right, guys, what is going on today? We're going to be talking about hard good and hard bad. And when we maybe have this idea in our head of, you know, being more challenging is always a good thing. And I think when we start to actually kind of think about this problem, it makes a lot of sense why maybe we've been held back by this belief in the past and how this belief kind of comes about. So, we're going to talk about this it's going to be kind of wide ranging, a lot of great analogies here. And we're going to start just by talking about exercise, because I think it's one that's that's pretty common. And I just got done. I did 530. I did the Thrive workout at Lewis Center this morning, and it was extremely challenging and it was appropriately hard for me, which is the, the thing we're going to talk about today is is being appropriately hard. And so I think what's important to think about is uh, people like to think in terms of, you know, this is good, better, best, or this is hard, harder, hardest. And they kind of associate the two where harder is always better. And the book range is a fantastic discussion on this. I haven't read too far into it yet, but I've watched a lot of podcasts and I've listened to David Epstein talk a few times about it. And the discussion is that, you know, in parenting, we get the this kind of idea that having our kids play up, play against older kids, play against bigger kids, play against harder competition is a good thing. And what he talks about is how that's absolutely the exact opposite of what you want to do. And it's it's I think parents initially hear that and they're like, wait, what? No, like, you know, my kid is elite, like they need to go up and they need to play against harder and harder competition. And that's absolutely not the case. And what's what we have to do, what we have to think about is we need to get them appropriate hard. We need to understand that this is a journey and that kids in seventh grade or eighth grade that it, we're not going to pull them out of school so that they can practice basketball all day so that they can win the tournament in eighth grade. It doesn't matter. Right. Trying to get them to play up and play against harder competition. A lot of times what it does is it disassociates the kids with the fundamentals, which you learn at younger ages and you focus on at younger ages. It disassociates them with understanding how to dominate. Right. If they're really good, you need to understand how you can win a game one on five. And there's all these other intricacies with self-confidence and the desire to go and play and practice and the desire to play with kids kind of your own age and and understand where you actually sit at an appropriate level of difficulty. And when we push that too far forward too fast, we almost always lose something. And so when we think back to exercise, what's dawned on me, I guess, as I've thought about this uh, more is for the most part, people who love what they're doing with health and fitness are getting the appropriate challenge, right? It's not too easy. It's not too hard. And what starts to disillusion people or what starts to become challenging is things when they become too easy or too hard. And so a great example right now is Orange Theory is, is very you know popular right now. And there's been a bunch of these since we started. You know, it was P90X when we first started and a bunch of people would go through and we'd get these conversations like, yeah, I've done P90X seven times through. And, you know, it's just getting a little easy and repetitive. It's like, well, yeah, it's a it's a 90 day program. And that's that, the point of it was to be done once for 90 days, not over and over and over again. But that's good. It became too easy for them, right? So now they're looking for that next evolution, right? And CrossFit fits into that really, really well. It's kind of infinitely scalable on the challenging end upwards. But 
what we think about is I think there are some CrossFitters who think Orange Theory is less than and it's not. It's appropriate. Right. If you're coming off the couch and you haven't been exercising and you've got a low aerobic capacity and you're deconditioned and you maybe don't move very well, you're not super stable, then. Orange Theory is actually fantastic for you, right? And that's why you get people who really love it because it's it's hard. If you're deconditioned, an Orange Theory 45-minute workout is going to feel really hard, right? And if you're a CrossFitter who's been doing, you know, pretty high-level workouts for an extended period of time, Orange Theory is going to feel way too easy, right? It's going to feel simple. And so, but that's appropriate, And so what we have to think about then is, are we getting the appropriate stimulus for us? And one of the things that is a plight of many CrossFitters and many people, you know, this happens a lot. We've had a lot of people over the years who are like, yeah, you know, I'm signed up, you know, 20 year old kids like I'm going to go into special forces. I'm going to compete. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what they do is they focus way too much effort, way too much energy on doing workouts that are out of their skill level. They're too hard, right? It's like the eighth grade kid who's a world-class soccer player and plays four age groups up and is basically nullified. It's Freddie Adu, I think is that kid's name, right? He was this phenom young soccer player. And then they played him up his whole career and he became a nobody. That's what happens, right? It's very true when it comes to CrossFit. Some of the best people in our gym in terms of athletic ability, and I don't even want to say athletic ability. Let's just say the ability to handle challenging CrossFit workouts. They're not people who just like came in off the street and just picked it up right away and were able to do really challenging workouts. You know, it's people who spent the time to learn the skills and stick to the fundamentals and go through this kind of long, slow process. You know, it's Maria. It's me. Like, you know, I wasn't athletic at all. And, you know, I did. I never started in any high school sports. I never earned a varsity letter. None of these things. Right. But if you stick with the appropriate level of challenge for you for long enough, then you can just slowly over time, you know, add five or 10 pounds. And now I may be doing girl workouts prescribed. And now I may be going to work on my double unders and my muscle ups and maybe some harder skills. But at first it's one muscle up and then it takes two muscle ups and then it's doing a few sets of two muscle ups and then it's three and then it's five and then it's doing workouts with like 10 or 15. And it's progress, progress, progress. What you don't want to do when you first start is say, I'm going to take on, you know, I'm going to go and do Amanda. I'm going to go and do 21 muscle ups with squat snatches at 135. Right. And this is where a lot of people get to is they start to focus so much effort and energy on workouts that are inappropriate for them. And what happens then is they don't get the appropriate stimulus. They don't actually get better. In actuality, a lot of times what they do is they hammer and ruin their long-term growth. They Freddie Adu themselves. And there's dozens of Freddie Adus. I'm just going to use him as an example. But there's, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of athletes every single year who get pushed into a skill level or a challenging level or an age level that they're not ready for. And they burn out of the sport and they don't last and they quit and they become nobodies. When had things been handled more appropriately, they could have become world-class players. And so this is extremely true. We start thinking about how we approach and how we think about exercise is 
is this appropriate for us? And we shouldn't have that want and desire for things that are outside of our age or skill level or whatever it is, right? And age level and cross is, is training age, right? How long have you spent training? And you're not going to be able to do a lot of things. And it's not appropriate for you. It's not what's best for you to do a lot of the, you know, really challenging hero workouts or high name skill workouts prescribed until you've, you know, earned the reps. You know, it's just like you don't want to go and play varsity basketball in seventh grade. because You haven't earned the reps yet. You haven't struggled through. You know, you haven't played organized basketball long enough. You don't understand motion offense. You don't understand zone defense. You don't understand how to box out. You don't understand the fundamentals and you don't appreciate them. If you get pushed forward too much, you don't appreciate the fact that a team cannot operate unless you do these things. Just like you can't operate on a long enough timeline if you don't learn the fundamentals. You know, if you don't appropriately develop your PVC overhead squat, then Amanda is a waste of your time. And it's going to hold you back thinking that you need to be able to do that workout. And so let's switch and let's think about it as it pertains to nutrition, right? If we start trying to do something from a nutrition thing that's inappropriate for us, that's outside of our skill range or our age range, right? So in this case, maybe we're going to try to go and do keto, which is probably the most challenging diet on the planet to really stay in ketosis all the time. Now, a lot of people do half measure keto, right? They they say they're keto, but they're not. They don't even understand what it is. And they haven't done the research and they just think like, oh, I'm going to do this because I heard you can lose weight, blah, blah, blah. And they haven't done any real research on what ketosis is and what is the purpose or the point of staying in it and where are your limitations and where is the actual value and how long should I stay in ketosis and where's the max benefit? Because there, those are questions that need to be answered still in the diet. And there's a lot of varying opinions that say you shouldn't stay in ketosis all the time. It's not good for you. And so, but let's say you take that diet on and let's say you're coming from zero, right? Let's say your diet right now is a granola bar for breakfast. You drink a bunch of coffee with sugar and, you know, at lunch you go and you get a five guys burger and maybe a Coke. And then you come home and you microwave some ravioli and have a couple beers. Let's say that's where you're at. I'm going to call that zero because that's, that's not a very good diet. Okay. And let's say that's how you eat kind of consistently. And then all of a sudden you say, I'm going to start intermittent fasting keto. Like what? That is way outside of your ability level. That is way outside of your skill range. That is not in any way, shape or form appropriate for you. And so what's going to happen? We know what's going to happen, right? They're going to think they're going to stick to it for a little while. Two or three weeks is going to go by. They're going to start to kind of shift. And, well, I'm just going to have this soda here. Takes you out of ketosis. Don't care. But I'm still eating keto, right? Three or four weeks goes by. We're starting to do a lot of the things we used to do. And now we're off the diet. And we've actually been eating worse because we've been binging, because we're so famished from, you know, the change in calories and the change in sugar intake. And we're having addiction withdrawals and we're having all this stuff. And we, we just wasn't appropriate. We weren't ready for that at all. Right. It's a stepped process. What's appropriate for that person at first would be like, hey, let's maybe start taking the sugar out of our coffee and stop drinking Coke. That's step one. Right. That's what's appropriate for that person. And we have to understand where we're at to know what the appropriate step and the appropriate process is. And, you know, I used to get 
frustrated when people would say like, oh, I have to get in shape to do CrossFit. And I'd say like, well, you know, that's not necessarily true. It's infinitely scalable upwards, but it's also infinitely scalable downwards. And I'm working with the Down Syndrome group at Lewis Center right now. And you are, we're scaling it, you know, almost all the way down and they're doing a fantastic job but we're finding what's appropriate for them. And that's the real beauty of CrossFit is the infinite scalability, right? The fact that we can do thrusters by sitting down to a box with a six pound medicine ball and learn and teach them how to squat and how to do a thruster with simple tools and mechanics and implementations and and different tests and trials. And it's CrossFit. It's still CrossFit, right? And that's what we keep talking about. We talked about a little bit when we were doing the state of friendship that the term CrossFit has somehow been pushed to be synonymous with the super high skill, the extremely challenging, the stuff that in all honesty is not appropriate for 98% of the people. And this is coming from somebody who, you know, for the most part, like I think I have completed with competitive times, you know, the majority of the most challenging CrossFit workouts, whether it's King Kong or Amanda or Murph or whatever, whatever challenging is to you. You know, I've been able to do those at, at highly competitive times. And I can tell you that even then, a lot of the times, like it probably wasn't appropriate for me and I maybe should have scaled. And those are the things that are hard is, is trying to tell people like what's appropriate sometimes is up and what's appropriate sometimes is down. And we had some people come in and do the, you know, the thrive workout with us this morning who are used to that mentality of hard is, is like challenging skills. So like hard is squat snatches into muscle ups with handstand walks and handstand pushups. And that's hard. And to get better, I need hard. And it's just not true at all. It's a total fallacy. It's a broken mindset, right? It's that same thing of thinking that the only way I'm going to have success with nutrition is if I go 100% cold turkey, hardcore keto diet, like, or whatever diet you want, paleo, 100% hardcore. That's the only way that I can get there. It's just not the case at all. It's a totally broken mentality. Same thing with your kids. The only way that my kid's ever going to be successful is if they take every AP class and we put them into the, a higher level math and we, we have them graduate early and start taking college courses and we play them up in all of our sports and we try to push the coaches to make sure that they can move up a level. And all these things, it's just that mindset is it's bore into our kids because of us. Because it was born to us, maybe. I don't know. It's a societal, it's a broken societal thought. And imagine the ability for our community and our society to get better. And this is what range is about. It's case studies. Imagine how much better people could get if they got the appropriate level of coaching, the appropriate level of training, the appropriate program for them at that time, at that place in their life. If a coach in middle school had a kid who hammered all season the fundamentals, not through the legs, behind the back, step back, three pointers. And you weren't even able to play basketball if you weren't hammering the fundamentals, right? It's the same thing. Imagine if I told you you couldn't do the workout with us today if you can't do 
you know, a good PVC overhead squat. Like maybe that would be appropriate for people and that would actually put the right emphasis on the importance of that movement, right? And that is appropriate for most people. And today we did a long aerobic piece, right? And so many people have underdeveloped aerobic systems and they want to get better at the girl workouts. They want to get better at the hard. They want to be able to do Jackie. They want to be able to do Fran. They want to improve their times. They want to do these things. Well, the answer sits in appropriate training, sits in like the boring stuff, like 30 minutes on a rower, right? And we're going to do those things that are appropriate, but we're also going to make sure that, you know, we still keep it fun. We still keep it exciting. And that's, that's the idea. That's the plan, right? That's where we need to be. That's what is appropriate. And we've been talking this way so long about nutrition and it's so funny because people don't want it. They want the hack. They want the hard because that's something that people can identify with, right? They can associate with, you know, hey, I follow this diet and it's super hardcore and it's blah, 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 blah. And you can tell people about it. And because it's so hard, then immediately that comes with this like, you know, stigma of, wow, like, you know, they follow that diet. Like that's diets really hard. Like that's crazy. They must be really devoted. Right. Or, you know, like, yeah, like I did, you know, chest to bar friend with 135 today. It was like ultra RX plus. It's like, wow, like they must be really good because that's really, really hard. And that mentality somewhere along the lines, whether we were kids and it was pushed on us from an academic standpoint or whether we were kids and it was pushed on us from an athletic standpoint or whether it was, you know, nutritional and health that was pushed on us somewhere in our lives was that a hundred or zero is only way that we can get better. And a hundred looks like a hundred, a hundred. It's all the way. It's as hard as you can possibly go. It's as challenging as it can possibly be. And there's no way for us to dip our toe. There's no way for us to learn the fundamentals in an appropriate setting and build from there, which is the right way to learn anything. It's the right way to get better at anything. Like, at what point are you going to say like, hey, you know, I want to I want to learn the piano. And it's like, cool, you've got a recital tomorrow. You're going to perform in front of 250 people. Because that's hard, right? Because that's all the way. That's hardcore. Obviously, that's not the right answer, right? Or same thing. Say say you take it even further. Say you get like a 13-year-old girl and she's been practicing piano for five years and she's good. She's really good. Like she shows some promise. But we're not going to go and stick her in Radio City Music Hall, put her in front of thousands of people, put a camera on her. That's not what's best for her. Right. She's got to perform for, you know, a church group or for school, for a talent show, maybe win a couple talent shows, do a couple things on YouTube, work, practice, understand the process, get better. Then maybe when you turn 14 or 15, it's appropriate to do a little bit of a bigger recital. You know, then you can grow, then you can move to the next appropriate stage. But when we try to jump, when we focus so far on the step that's a a thousand steps away or a thousand hours away, maybe this is true for a lot of people in, in every aspect that we're talking about. Right. Then we don't do the right steps appropriately. 
And I don't think there's anywhere where this is more true when we start talking about finance stuff. Everybody wants so hard to get to this stage, this retirement, you know, be a millionaire, fire, you know, financially independent, retire early. You know, I want to retire in my 30s. I want to do this. I want to do that. And they focus so far on how big the gap is right now from where they are that they just don't even bother getting started or they try get rich quick schemes and they lose all their money. Just read a story the other day about how some options trader lost like some ridiculous amount of money, like $14 million, his entire net worth by trading options on Tesla this week. And like all that was wrong with that was that that person didn't listen and learn the fundamentals appropriately, probably earned his money fast and he lost his money fast. And when we start to try to aspire maybe is, is, I don't know if it's the right word, but if, if we focus on something that's not appropriate for where we're at right now, that's not what's best for our development. And we skip past the coaching, right? So you're an eighth grade basketball player and you play varsity. So you skip past your eighth grade coach. You skip past your freshman and your JV coach. You skip past, you know, maybe some academic things. And how often do we see that with athletes? And you're just given a little bit of a free ride to some things. It's not what's best for you. It's not. You need some accountability in your life. You need somebody to hold you accountable to learning and doing the fundamentals the right way. Understanding that you're a student athlete and that school still has importance, if only from the aspect to ensure that you understand that discipline and learning is important, right? Because that's what's going to actually get you. You're not going to be able to play in the NBA if you don't have discipline and you don't ask questions and you don't have the ability to keep learning. Just like in CrossFit, you're not going to get better if you stop listening to the coaches, If you stop hearing the awareness that's trying to be given to you, you know, maybe this isn't appropriate for you. Maybe doing grace at 115 is actually going to get you the stimulus of the workout instead of doing it at 135. Maybe doing DT at 95 pounds is actually going to be a better workout for you than trying to suffer through it at 155. Maybe it's not appropriate for you to learn muscle ups yet because you can't do a, you know, a strict weighted dip yet. And those are the right, like that's right. That's a coach trying to help you to give you the appropriate next progression to not let you try to focus on things that are outside of our skill set. to not, you know, taking a nutrition coach for somebody who wants to come in. I want to lose 30 pounds this month because I got a wedding and I heard that if I go intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, hardcore zone diet, then I'll lose 30 pounds in 20 days. I saw I saw it on the internet. I mean, it's got to be true. So who are you, Mr. Dietitian, who's been doing this for 12 or 15 years? Who are you to tell me that the best step for me is just to make a couple of these small changes like pish posh, pish posh on you? And that like that mentality, when you put it in that light, I think it seems ridiculous and it is ridiculous, but it's rampant. It's everywhere. It's everywhere in every step of our psyche, of our society, our kids, our teachers, our parents, our coaches. It just it's it's this mentality. And I understand where it comes from, because the American way is people pushing and striving for better to get better. And are there miracle stories? Are there the Tiger Woods of the world or the Michelle Wees of the world? Yeah, there are. Right. But for every one of those. There's a thousand kids who got pushed too hard, too early, who quit. Or 
you know, maybe developed, you know, maybe even worse. Maybe they developed some mental issues with it. Maybe they're still struggling with some of the repercussions of that. Right. We see it all the time with nutrition. You know, you're pushed too hard, too much, too young. And we get eating disorders. And then that stuff lingers through the rest of our life. That psyche, that mentality. Not just, let's just try to do a couple small things right. And once we've got those small things dialed in and they're habitual, then we can maybe do the next couple small things right. Maybe once we start learning how to, you know, box out, then we can start, you know, and that becomes automatic. Maybe then as a team, we're rebounding well. Maybe now we can start working on the next step, which is like, you know, fast break offense or whatever it might be. Okay. So this mentality is something I, I, I don't want you guys to get caught up in. And it's everywhere around you. It's, it's ingrained in every culture that we're exposed to. There's no avoiding it. And the thing that we need to understand and constantly be asking the question is, is this appropriate for where I'm at? Is this appropriate for the time I've been working on this? For, you know, the coaching that I want to receive, for the trajectory that I want to be on? Is this appropriate for me? Or is it too fast or is it too slow? Is it too easy or is it too hard? And that's the, that's the question. That's the only question, right? Whether it's finances, nutrition, whether it's your kids looking at their development, you know, whether it's athletics, whether it's your personal development and exercise with CrossFit or with whatever you're doing, you know, what, whatever endeavor you're on, right? Whether it's playing the piano or learning a foreign language, is this appropriate for where I'm at? Are my goals realistic? Do I understand where I'm going in the next two or three months? Is that appropriate for my skill level? How am I going to get there? Right? Because I've seen dozens, if not 50 plus people come through and they don't have the developed strict pull-up strength. They don't have the developed strict dip strength and they want to swing on the rings and try to get muscle ups. And five years later, they still are second guessing or triple guessing or not sure some days I have muscle up other days I don't. And I'm just, I'm not quite positive, right? Like, you know, muscle up still evades me. I can't do it in workouts. I'm not very good at them. And they're, they're still going onto the high rings and swinging and just making attempts at muscle ups. And that's what training has become for them, which is just completely inappropriate given that setting. And, it, it, you know, it's it's weird to tell people sometimes that, you know, Jesse Ramirez is probably the easiest example. He's a guy who came in and, you know, he could do a strict weighted pull up with over 100 pounds. He's a guy who weighs 160 and he could do a strict weighted dip with over 100 pounds. Right. And so teaching him a muscle up took me all of five seconds. So he just got it on. His, I think it was his second attempt, not his first attempt, but his second attempt. Got a muscle up. It was cool. Let's hone in on that a little bit. Now let's do five. Because that was what was appropriate for him, right? He had spent the time to develop the raw strength, to develop the raw pulling strength, the raw pushing strength, to be able to work into those muscle-ups. There's a lot of people who want to skip past that work that he's done because they see him doing, you know, I think he did 23 or 26 muscle-ups unbroken one time. And he was really close to doing 30 unbroken. And they see that and they think like, oh man, I want to be able to do muscle-ups like that. It's like, great. Jesse spent years years daily grinding in the gym with pulling and pressing strength 
And that's the same thing I did. And even though I could do four or five muscle ups when I first started, there was actually a, a thing back in the day called ring wad. And it was just literally ring strengthening work three or four days a week. And it was amazing for me. It was so challenging and I had to scale all the time. And that's the beauty of gymnastics is like, you're never going to touch where these guys can, you know, do on the rings or what these girls can do on the bars or the floor or any of it. Like it's such a ridiculous skill level upwards that you just have to be humble and take the scale because it's so infinitely challenging upwards. And so I was doing this, but it was just hours, you know, three days, four days a week, 90 minutes of just ring work, just developing the strength and the awareness and the coordination, pressing and pulling and all this time. And just nobody saw it. I did it by myself. I was just, you know, to go back to last podcast, I was just internally motivated. I enjoyed the appropriateness of the challenge for me. And I think sometimes the negative of the group setting is it forces people into things that are inappropriate for them. And, you know, tell me if you guys have seen this before where, you know, you're maybe going to do a partner workout and your partner eggs you on to something that you're like, oh, like, you know, my back's kind of tight. I maybe wasn't feeling I wasn't maybe wasn't going to do this one prescribed today or like I'm feeling kind of tired. I was maybe just going to take this one scaled. And and what you're actually looking for is somebody to take a little bit of the pressure off and. The reason that I know that this is the case is because now I do this, right? When I do partner workouts with people, I look at them, I'm like, ah, man, my back's kind of tight. I'm just going to do this one at 75 pounds today. And they're like, all right, good. Yeah, I'll just do it with you. It's like a relief that that pressure's not on them. Right. It's just like I'm sure with high school kids, it's like, man, if I could take tell you guys a story here. If I could take this back. So my senior year. A lot of pressure to take AP classes. And it wasn't necessarily my parents. I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, they wanted me to do well academically and they wanted me to push myself. And But, you know, kids and, you know, you, you want to get college credit and you want to do this and you want to do that. And, you know, so you got to take AP. And so U.S. government is a required senior class in high school. OK, you have two options. You have regular U.S. government and you have AP U.S. government. OK, and AP U.S. government is year long. And it was with this teacher. We won't talk too much about the teacher, though. If Grant's listening to this, he'll start smiling immediately when we start talking about the teacher. And so we took so I took AP government. Okay, a bunch of my friends. So like Jay and a bunch of other people all took regular U.S. government. Okay, and they took it the first semester. So they didn't have it their spring semester of their senior year. And most of those people didn't have any real requirements spring semester their senior year. So they could just kind of screw around, flake off, you know, go get off super early or off high school at like noon. You know, everything's pretty casual. There's no pressure. And I remember sitting and it was the like second or third last day of school. My mom will remember this. And I'm sitting stuck in this AP government class and I'm just, I'm miserable. All my friends are off school. They're all like out. It's like a Friday. They're partying. Like we've, we've all but graduated, right? Grades are all but final. And we're sticking in this AP government class and we're trying to like, we're doing like some, uh, sources thing. Like we're, we're trying to learn and trying to do this exercise with citing sources. And I just remember we're like two days away from high school graduation. And, and I, I'm just like, like in my head, like I'm kind of losing it on this teacher ramp right? and getting a little upset. And so I end up saying some things. I'm just joking around, not even to her. I end up saying something to some of the other kids, but being a smart ass, you know, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. I'm having so much fun. Like 
Grant, don't you wish like it would really suck right now to be out with all of our friends, you know, just like being a smart ass like that. And I know it surprises a lot of you guys that I was a smart ass in high school. And and so eventually I ended up getting, uh, you know, a detention. Is my only detention, like all, all of my high school uh, career, which is sort of shocking, I think. But I just remember like sitting there thinking like, why in the hell did I take AP government? And the funniest part was I didn't even I don't even I didn't even end up taking the AP test. I don't think I didn't even end up getting college credit for it. And like but that's just what you you have. To, you take AP classes, get college credit. Of course. Why wouldn't you? Why would you have fun in high school? Why would you take the appropriate level classes while you're in high school? Like, of course, you know, you have to push yourself. You have to go up. You have to start taking college level courses because that's what smart kids do. And smart kids need to start working on their college so that they can go to college so that they can get a good career so they can blah, 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 blah. You guys know how the story goes. And it's ridiculous. What I should have been doing during that time was I I should have just graduated early. I should have been out just having a good time with my friends. Like looking back on high school, did any of that mean anything? Like some of those times, it's the most carefree fun times in your life. You have no, you have no responsibilities. You have no pressure. You have nothing on your plate. Like it should be the most fun time in your life. And I'm sit like stuck in, stuck in this classroom doing stuff that just like, when I did go back to college, like you did that ad nauseum, like sources, learn how to cite sources. Now sort sizes this way and sort sources this way. And you're just like, and like, I'm going to get plenty of practice in this you know, I don't need to spend time doing it. It's inappropriate for me right now. I should be out having fun because this is high school and who cares? So I think that that's one of those things where, you know, there's, there's multiple other things throughout my time where when I, when I chose the appropriate thing for me, when I went against the grain and I did it my way and what was appropriate for me at that time, that's when all the good things came in my life. That's when I was happy. That's when I was actually able to just relax a little bit and do what was best for me, not what was best for the community or the other people or the person to the left or right of me or my parents or for anybody else. But I was able to just relax and just do what was best for me. And that's the boat we need to be in. What's appropriate for me? What's the best thing for me right now? And if you don't know, Go to somebody, go to an expert, go to a coach, go to a, you know, whoever it might be, a mentor, somebody else who's successful in that area and just talk to them. You know, there's nobody in my life who does this better than Chris Sansbury. Chris is the best athlete that I've ever been around. You know, Kristen, you're a close second. You're a very good athlete too. Maria, Jenny, you guys are amazing athletes. There's a lot of amazing athletes, right? I've been lucky to be around, but Chris was just sort of a freak. And he could do things and it was just like he didn't snatch for the entire year pretty much because he had shoulder problems. And then just in competition, why wouldn't you smoke 265 two, two times? No problem. It's just like he's just a freak like that. Right. But the thing that was always amazing about him every day, day in and day out was he had no problem looking at you and saying, I'm, I'm going to scale. I got to take today off. I'm not going to be there. Um, you know, all of it. And he does it to this day. He shows up because, you know, he does build class and he's operating at a zone where he feels like it's what's best for him exclusively. 
he's not going to get sucked into a heavier weight because you want to, you're his partner and you're going to go a heavier weight. He'll get his own barbell out. He'll go off on a rack by himself. He'll go off on the side because that, because he knows what's best for him. And to have somebody like that, where you look at, they're an incredible athlete and yet they're still only focused on doing what's best for them. Well, that should be an example for us. And Andy's the same way with him when it comes to nutrition. Andy eats better than anybody I know when it comes to nutrition. But he doesn't take himself super seriously. He'll have a beer or two when he's out with you. You know, he'll eat pasta. He'll he'll chow down when he has to. He understands that it just if you don't put too much pressure on yourself and you just focus on doing the little things right there, that'll pay off. And I'm sorry, like I said, you know, Blitz barking in the background in these podcasts. So she's doing fantastic. Thank you, everybody, so much who's who's been asking. I'm sorry that she's uh, she's almost completely back to normal so that she's just going nuts in the background. Um, but, you know, I think that this is the thing that I want you guys to start thinking about is who can I emulate? Who seems to have this thing figured out and how can I communicate with them? And I don't want to tell, you know, we talk a lot about parenting on here and obviously I'm not a parent, so I don't know. And, you know, I don't, I don't like giving parenting advice. I'm just trying to give observations that makes parent make parents think. And if you truly do think that the best thing for your kid is to push them and to try to get them into harder things all the time, I definitely recommend that you guys read range. I think it's it's an eye-opening book. It's by David Epstein, and he also wrote uh, The Sports Gene, which is the sort of athletic version. I mean, range is very athletic-focused also, but... Um but the sports gene is an athletic focus thing on on this same thing we're talking about to not specialize too early and to show the benefits of just general athletic ability, awareness and body control, strength, stability. So on not just hammering the same sport over and over and over again. And if you guys have paid any attention to it, you should know that all the science is back on that. It is significantly better for your body. You have a lower injury risk. You have a better chance of playing at a higher level if you don't specialize in sport too early. And these are things that we need. These are conversations that we need to start having because as a community, we can fix this. Like as a tight knit community, as a global community, I don't think we can. Right. I think it's I think there's just a lot of people that just have broken mentalities towards their kids. And then I think it just gets built into every single consecutive community of kids just gets it from their parents and just pushes in. You've got to push. And I don't know if it's like, a you know, people, you know, I think psychologists would say like, you know, well, they're trying to live vicariously through their kids and they're trying to get them to do the things that they never could and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, that is what it is. Who cares? But. What I think that we need to kind of be thinking about is how can we ask that question? How can we ask the question like what's what's appropriate for our kid right now? Like, is he having is he having enough fun? Like, is he really carefree? You know, like a kid should be carefree. It's in their DNA, right? Like they they chemically are designed to be more carefree. And I think that we should just allow that for kids, at least, you know, for a time till it's appropriate. And. I think it's the same thing for us. We just got to take it easy on ourselves. Don't be so focused on going so hard, being so challenging all the time. So this is just something I was thinking about today as I was coming back from Thrive and I was texting with some of the guys who did it with me and having that conversation of, you know, it was 
I think it was more challenging than they thought it would be. And I think it was appropriate. I think it was appropriately challenging. It was appropriately challenging for me. It was appropriately challenging for, you know, a girl who's in the classes or very first class. And that's awesome. We hit the mark, right? That's our goal. That should be our goal every day. What frustrates us as coaches or what frustrates me as a programmer is when I program something and it's appropriate for a percentage of people. All programming is going to only be appropriate for a percentage of people. And I try to hit the mark as much as I can throughout the week to be, you know, at the top of that bell curve where, you know, hey, look, we're going to, this is appropriate for the vast majority of people. And then depending on what side of that bell curve you're on, you need to maybe make the workout harder sometimes or take it easy on yourself, you know? Or you need to make the workout easier on yourselves. And we've all been through that. We've If you've never had a workout where you've got to scale down, then I haven't done my job, number one. And number two, you probably haven't been around it long enough. I just don't even think that exists. I don't think there's anybody in the world who hasn't had to scale something down at some point. So... I think that this is the thing that we need to start kind of thinking about when we approach our fitness, when we approach our nutrition, uh, when we approach anything, any anything we're kind of talking about here, uh, whether it be, you know, I think it's just like a habit. This is more of a habit change discussion, more of a mindset discussion that we take towards things. We shouldn't be aspiring to harder, harder, harder all the time, harder, 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 more, more, more. It guarantees that we're never going to be at the appropriate spot for us. So something for you guys to think about this weekend. Look at me, two podcasts this week, and I hope you guys enjoy them and can enjoy them uh, throughout the weekend and kind of going into next week. You'll probably get emailed this on Monday. So if you do, I hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. Some beautiful snowy weather. I love the snow. I love winter, but I like I don't like the gray rain 32 degree winter. I like the let's get below freezing. Let's make sure that we get a little bit of white on the ground. And, uh, you know, it always makes me smile watching the pups dig their face in the snow and just have a ball and, you know, watching kids play in the snow. Like, you know, we have that ability in us to be happy in the snow and to enjoy winter, right? It's not all driving on the road where you're just furious with people, which happens. Um, you know, it's not, that's not, we shouldn't let that dictate our mood. So have a great weekend guys. And, uh, thanks for listening. (laughs) 